Welcome to Live, Leadership, Innovation, Ventures, and Entrepreneurship, a podcast that showcases the talents, skills, and abilities of UT faculty, staff, and students. I'm your host, Brandon Jones, Associate Director for Student Learning and Development in Housing and Dining, and we're excited to have you listening to us. Hello, everybody. This is Brandon Jones, the Associate Director for Student Learning and Development in Housing and Dining at the University of Texas at Austin, and you are listening to the Leadership, Innovation, Ventures, and Entrepreneurship podcast. Today, you have coming to the stage for the very first time, Joy <laughs> Melody Woods, PhD student in Communication Studies here at the University of Texas at Austin, and we're so excited to have her with us on today. She's going to talk about uh, her recent project, one of her most recent ventures, the hashtag Black in the Ivory, uh, a hashtag that she co-founded with uh, Dr. Sharday Davis, and she's going to tell us a lot more about that and some of her upcoming projects that she's working on as well. Hopefully we can get the tea on that. So, Joy, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to have you. Listen, um, I want to dive right on in. So when you started uh, the hashtag Black in the Ivory, I just remember waking up one morning and seeing this hashtag uh, being used by everybody all over the world and country. People, scholars that I know I cited in my dissertation and some articles that I've read, plus some colleagues in the field right now uh, sharing their different experiences about being Black and in the academy. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I wonder when this took off, only to find out that I knew one of the co-founders of the hashtag. So why don't you tell us first, before we get into the hashtag, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, give us your background, and then we can dive into um, Black in the Ivory. Yeah, um, of course. So um, yeah, it's crazy. We do know each other. Um, I am Joy Melody Woods, as he said. I'm a native of Fort Worth, Texas. The greatest city in the state. And um, I graduated from Texas Wesleyan University with my bachelor's in political science. I actually started my college career out at Prairie View A&M University, the greatest HBCU in the land. Um, and due to some health issues, I transferred back home and um, finished my bachelor's out at Texas Wesleyan. Um, I did my master's at the University of Iowa. Yes, you heard me correctly. I packed my life up. Um, I moved all the way across to the Midwest um, to go to the University of Iowa and I have my Master's of Arts in this um, Sociology of Education. Mm -hmm. And I'm now here, I came back to Texas, uh, can't keep me away too long. Mm -hmm. um, and I came back to Texas to get my PhD in Communication Studies with um, in concentration in interpersonal communication and I focus on interpersonal communication within health context. So yeah, that's like the boring part of. Oh, that's not boring at all. I do. <laughs> that's my biography. That's okay. You got the private school background. You also got the HBCU experience. Yeah. And you got life at a true P at a, at a PWI in the Midwest because that's similar and different, you know, uh, okay. than a PWI in the South. So uh, okay. and we, and we, we with, with time permitting, we'll definitely dive into that as well. But I want to give you the floor to mm -hmm. tell us. What was the driving force behind creating Black in the Ivory? Yeah, everyone asked that. And so it's so funny. So me and Dr. Davis, we're colleagues and friends. Um, we're both Black women in interpersonal communication. And there's only, there were three interpersonal scholars that were Black, but one of them left the field due to how racist it is. And so it's just me and her remaining that are you know, in the discipline, in the sub area, when we go to the conferences, we go to the business meeting. So, you know, just like black people everywhere, we find each other. Um, but she also graduated from the University of Iowa. That's where she finished her PhD. So we knew each other and we were friends. And so um, everything going on in the world, um, we were just up talking one night. We've been talking more frequently anyway, because the world on fire, we're all checking in on each other. Mm -hmm. And I had just gotten really tired of seeing universities um, posting these black squares on social media. Mm. And I got tired of the silence from departments and from places that I went, places that I'm currently at, where it was like, wait a minute, like we can no longer be silent. And as a communication scholar, I was like, 
we're communication scholars, we mm -hmm. should be able to communicate about this to let the few black students, because it's very few black students in this department know that they support us, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I just was spilling tea left and right all over social media one day and for like mm -hmm. multiple days, telling my husband's story about what happened with him, telling my story, what happened with me and telling a few tidbits. And so Sharday Davis, um, Dr. Davis, excuse me, texted me and was like, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, she started sharing on Twitter one night too. And then she was like, I think I'm gonna use this hashtag black and ivory. She's like, how does it sound? And I was mid tweet when she texted me. Uh -huh. So I said, plopped it on my tweet, tweeted it out, said, sounds great, just tweeted it. And then I quoted my tweet and was like, Dr. Davis came up with this and it's great. And then I was like, anybody have stories? Like just share it. Um, and so at the time, Dr. Davis had just gotten back on Twitter. And so she had like 300 or so followers and I have been consistently on Twitter mm -hmm. since <laughs> and so like I have like you know um 3,500 followers so between her idea matched with like the reach that I had of like just being someone that I have a platform people we talk I talk a lot with black graduate students across the country I'm in group chats with black creatives who are graduate students and we we talk about this stuff so between her her hashtag my reach we just tweeted it out we talked a little bit i was like y'all going to sleep it was like you know 11 o'clock my time she was in california at the time so she was it was you know nine or so there sure. so i woke up the next morning at my normal time and i had like all these notifications and you know twitter now only tells you like 20 plus notifications i was like okay typical typical random day must have said something funny ours i don't know and then i was like oh these are new followers. These are people using the hashtag. These are people quoting the hashtag. So I clicked the hashtag and I was like, I don't even know who these people are. And so I'm calling Sade because she's asleep. Because you know, it's like six o'clock, seven o'clock yeah. here. So she knocked down. <laughs> I know she's not a morning person. And I'm like, wake up, get on Twitter right now. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, go look. And so that's the rest is literally history we're watching history unfold yeah wow so i mean so as of as of this recording i mean because that's been over a month now mm -hmm. um as of this recording i don't know if you ran any analytics or not but i was curious if you know how many times the hashtag has been utilized the last the time i ran analytics probably about two weeks ago because people have stopped asking now mm -hmm. of like how many times it just knows it's that people just know it's out there um over 10,000 15,000 times most likely um, this went it was trending like it was, it was trending. trending by the time because when i got a hold of it like probably the day after you all posted it it was already trending and that was at like 1500 at that point yeah because, and it know, was yeah. trending in different places too so like mm -hmm. randomly throughout the first two days it was like trending in canada mm -hmm. and then like randomly it was trending in denver and then randomly it was trending in austin and then randomly it was trending the whole nation mm -hmm. and like we were a top 25 trending topic for like a few hours you know that's pretty big for people who didn't plan on starting a trending topic sure. um so yeah that's how it came and i think it just it really showed the ability and not not showed but gave people the ability to like okay there's strength in numbers and now let's talk about it because mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, um, I always think about um, you know when you're in a group and like you're doing something you shouldn't be doing takeoff running it's like they can't catch us all so it's <laughs> kind of like that thing of like they can't fire us all sure. you know <laughs> they that's, can't take us point. all out um, yeah so one of the things that I, I want to make sure I clarify is because we've got students that listen to this that mm -hmm. aren't familiar with Black in the Ivory yeah. yet. And then we've right. got folks that are tenure track faculty that listen to this. Uh, we've got folks in student affairs all over the country right, that right. listen. Um, explain to folks what Black in the Ivory means for those that may not be familiar with um, some of the in-group dialogue. That yeah, yeah, no. So like, you know, the higher ed is called the ivory tower, right? Because it sits up on this hill and looks out and it's supposedly this, you know, really liberal thinking, free creative space, mm -hmm. right? That's what we think when we, that's what people who aren't in, in academia think. The rest of us like, well, um, 
And so there was this play on words of like, we're black and then there's this ivory and it's literally this white space. And so mm -hmm. what does it mean to be black in higher education? Mm -hmm. And so it's just a little more, you know, clever black in the ivory, right? And so what does it mean? What have we experienced? What are, what are the experiences that we haven't talked about because we've been very fearful? Mm -hmm. um, or, and they're not just fearful, but traumatized. I mean, some of these stories that people are telling were traumatizing and I know they were re-traumatizing to tell. And there's mm -hmm. even people saying like, you know what, I support this movement, just understand that I'm not ready to share mine because I just got healed from it. I'm not ready to re-traumatize myself. Mm -hmm. And I think the outpouring and the numbers and the, the just the ferocious, treacherous, that's mm -hmm. what I'm gonna say, treacherous. That's okay. <laughs> um, stories and things that have been done to people no one could really ignore mm -hmm. and that's when people that weren't black started being like oh wow and then you have the realization of people realizing like some white and non-black folks realizing like i might have been the perpetrator of this and i didn't know mm -hmm. and those were very interesting realizations of like people saying you know I might have been a perpetrator of this and I'm going to read as many of these stories as I can because I didn't know and I urge every last white person and white person in power and deans and chairs and presidents to read this because there are things we're doing that we don't even realize mm -hmm. um and then some of them are just blatant it's like you know what you was doing um so yeah that's what black in the ivory is it just created this space that was safe even on twitter because mm -hmm. it's you know hit or miss with twitter right um and so yeah you just saw these horror stories and i think it gave people this solidarity of like i wasn't alone because for a lot of times even through my stuff my first year my masters i thought i was i thought i was there was something mentally wrong with me Mm -hmm. because no one really believed what I was saying. Mm -hmm. Like you have your friends, right? And you're like, okay, we believe you because most of my friends are black and they're, we're all in the academy and we're like, yeah, that, I get you. But there's people in power that are like, that's not, no, we didn't do that. That's not what I'm saying. And so it's like you this whole second guessing of yourself. And I think in that moment, people were like freed of that, like feeling like you should be like, in a padded room somewhere, locked up because like you were, there was a one lady who said she did check herself in to a mental institution for mm -hmm. a week. Mm -hmm. um, and she, that was her black and the ivory story she shared because she literally thought that there was something mentally wrong with her wow. because no one, everyone was making her believe she was making it up. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be people with, as with any movement, as with any experience, there are always people that, um, are because they don't have the awareness or because for some of them this was new what i liked about this was that this this hashtag suddenly became this anthology it became this collection of stories which i'm i'm a firm believer in the art of storytelling i'm mm -hmm. a firm believer in uh narrative and the power of collecting uh that narrative you know when i think about black family reunions when i think about mm -hmm. attorneys and sororities when i think about just going to graduate school and the camaraderie and the fellowship that that creates just to survive right what I appreciated about this was that these stories did just what you said it provided solidarity for those experiencing uh th these traumas uh but also it provided awareness to people what's your plan with the hashtag I mean, and beyond the uh making sure that this collection exists but is there a plan are you and dr davis thinking about taking this and archiving it in a way or publishing it or doing something with it because you know how we do in the academy we, we see something like this and we're gonna be like oh can we do this to uh collect data and archive because i did see somebody attempt that uh and, and you know you did check that that young lady <laughs> we'll talk about that offline <laughs> yeah well you know in 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 that regard we really wanted to say like hey we see this is taking off and we know we're all scholars um don't we can't, I mean, we can't tell you not to collect data because it's Twitter, yep. um, it's open and you're grown. Mm -hmm. But 
what we wanted, what we said was, you know, if you really are saying you want to learn from this and that's what, that's why you want to pub it and you want people to know, then your learning needs to be, if you are a white or non-black person trying to take this and publish it, what are you doing that for? Who is that helping? Because if anyone needs to publish this, if anyone wants to publish it, they need to be black or brown mm -hmm. because these are our stories. And one of my mentors, Dr. Joel Mullen from, she actually is the Associate Dean of Health Equity at UT in Del Med. She told me, um, and she tweeted out too, uh, she was like, I'm gonna tweet it out. I'm not good at Twitter, I'm gonna do it. But she tweeted out, you know, always remember you're the researcher and not the researched. Mm. And, and so that's what we were really telling people of like this, we're done with you researching our trauma. Um, but to your regard of a place to archive it, we've been approached by academic presses mm -hmm. of, you know, putting together a collection and, you know, recruiting stories, um, from people who shared and seeing what that looks like. And, you know, apparently a lot of the black people who have shared um, have asked, hey, are y'all gonna do a book? Y'all should do a book. And mm -hmm. before we do anything, just like we did with, um, we have a website now and some of the merch, we would obviously take it to uh, take it to a poll, right? Because mm -hmm. even, because this is, we want them, we want everyone to know that this isn't just about me and Dr. Davis. This is about all of us. This is a collective. Sure. Right. Um, in short, all skin folk and kin folk, we understand that. But we, but but broadly speaking, this is our truth and this is mm -hmm. our story. And sure. even though people are coming to us, we're gonna ask y'all, what would y'all feel if this was an academic press book and people started mm -hmm. using it in higher ed classes? We want that feedback because if the feed the overwhelmingly is no, then we we would be the same. We'd be doing the same type of thing. Mm -hmm. that others would be doing, taking trauma and turning it into, you know, research. Um, so there is conversations about that. We've been approached by quite a number of academic presses, um, nice. which is cool. Um, in the so sense we, hey, that's the business side of it. Yeah, thing, that's the right? business side of it. Right. And I'm a grad student to have these academic approaches, uh, presses like you want to be a, do an edited collection. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get a journal article, to be honest. Right. This is a lot. <laughs> So what would you say, because I want to I shift gears here for a yeah. second, what would you say to undergraduate students who are listening to this and they're just beginning their collegiate journey and they're, you know, trying to figure out who they're going to be uh, as college students during this pandemic mm -hmm. at any institution, not just UT, but any institution, um, what would you say to those students um, in, in the way of advice as to how to make their voices heard? Um, you know, and I tell people that everyone is different. I've, I've grown into this person of like, I'm going to say it, it is what it is, and y'all can do with it what you want. That's a you problem, not a me problem. Mm -hmm. um, but what I will say, and I think we all, black, white, or brown, whatever, we all get caught up in trying to be something we're not because it's a new environment. Mm -hmm. um, because it's like, no one knows who I am. I can be this. I can be, you know, I was the nerd in high school because right. I really was, as everyone called me. So now I'm in college and I can be, you know, um, the cool person. Mm -hmm. Do not lose yourself to try and fit in whatever that looks like. And I, and especially for my black people and my black women, um, the one thing that I noticed when I transferred to a PWI for undergrad, and even when I was at Iowa when I first got there, um, because I did meet my husband there, and he is a black man, praise God, amen. Yeah. But what, there was something that we, you feel as a black woman, if you want to marry a black man or you want to date a black man, mm -hmm. there's this feeling of that you're not enough because you don't see a lot of black men. Mm -hmm. And then the black men that you see depending on what they look like, they're not really checking for you. Mm -hmm. And don't try to change and become that person mm -hmm. that they're trying to check for. And that's as- And that's for anybody need, too. Yeah, that's that for part. anybody. Yeah. But the people who need people who need to hear that, they know what I mean. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Right. Because, and that, like, I think that's the hardest part. Right, because you want you want that college experience, right, that you've seen on TV or that people told you about. But for Black people, our college experience is completely different. And mm -hmm. don't try and change 
what you were growing up and who you are and those tenants that you learned that built you to try and fit into something that doesn't want you. This is a business. At the end of the day, this is a business. Do I love coming to UT? Yes, I'm a Texan, of course. It was either, you know, you either go to A&M or UT. Those are the places you have to attend, right? Um, to be a part of the, you know, the history of Texas. But, and so that's cool. But this is a business. I came here to get my degree. So always remember that this is just a path and you're here to get your degree, whatever that degree is in, Mm-hmm. and you figure out what you're good at don't listen to other people because I spend a lot of my time listening to people tell me what I should do because what would make money and you know creatives don't make money stem mm-hmm. is where it's at you yeah. need to be a doctor you need to do this both my sister my older sister my older sister has a PhD in um, molecular medicine I think oh wow and then my middle sister is an MD so I was like okay I'll be a doctor too <laughs> That's what everyone thought and biology told me no you won't be mm-hmm. <laughs> those grades was like no girl <laughs> Real talk. my mom is a rn and it took until the recruiting visit uh at abilene christian university uh where she sat there listening to uh people tell her like oh yeah your son's pretty talented he should he, he he'll he'll do okay uh in graphic design and it took until a, an actual professor told her at the at the university, hey, he could actually do quite well for himself. That she finally was like, whatever, <laughs> you know. So I understand that. Yeah. But you also said something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I mean, you you put you dropping some major jewels, and I want to make sure that everybody listening to this is picking <laughs> up on that. So mm-hmm. I want to take some time to highlight one of the things that you talked about. Yeah. You you, you started down this conversation. I want to give you a chance to unpack this more. Where you started uh, sharing about what the what you're here for the Mm -hmm. business side of this, right? I was in a meeting the other day where some of us were talking and one of my colleagues uh, had said, you know, how much are we asking students to take on in addition to going to school, especially during this time? Because right now we're asking them to speak up. We're asking them to make their voices heard. We're also asking them to advocate for social justice. We're asking them to speak out for black life, which I agree they should, but at the same time, they're still students and every student is coming here with different expectations, different experiences, different baggage, uh, different demands on their life, their time and their energy. And so in addition to all of that, right. you know, we're asking them to do these other things. What would you say to your colleagues in higher education My, and, and me being one of them? Uh, Cause I work at this institution, right? Um, what, what would you say to, all of us who work for universities uh, about what we're asking students to take on in addition to going to school? Mm. You know, there's multiple things. One, one thing, because I was just talking to um, Yaki Smith from, yes. yeah, in my, my college, oh, yeah. and I was talking to him yesterday, and I was like, I said something, and I said, oh, no, I said no, or something. I have a problem saying no, and he's like, I'm still learning the power of, like, to say no, too, and I was like, no's a full sentence. Mm-hmm. And he laughed and I was like, no, but really, no, period. I don't hear other people having to explain why they say no. Um, and especially as a woman, we explain a lot. Um, I've even, my, even my advisor told me something one time and I was like, she started explaining and we're cool. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I said, but, I said, but I also want you to know, you wouldn't have to tell me any reason. Mm-mm. I would have said, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so understand that as faculty, staff, you know, um, students Mm -hmm. no is a full sentence and no meaning when someone asks you because you have a supervisor your supervisor possibly or anybody you proverbial had asked you to do something and you have to say "Mm, no i don't know and if they ask why because you know in a work situation you might have to have a response of like i just don't think right now that's what we need to add Mm -hmm. i also challenge people to think of would you have been doing all that in college and been successful? Come on now. Come on now. And the answer most likely is no, because if we go back and look at your CV from undergrad, Woo. we'll see what you were a part of. My, my, my. And if you weren't a part of all the things that you're telling these students to be a part of, mm-hmm. then one, you shouldn't do that. Two, we're in a different time. And we are in a time where when my dad went to school and our grandparents went to school, mm-hmm. they're not saddled with the debt 
I mean, they're saddled with debt, but they can still work and afford more to go to school. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're looking at students who have so many more things and bills to pay. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, yes, I for me, when I was an undergrad and so part of my master's until I got to my master's and got insurance, even though I could still be on my father's insurance, mm-hmm. it was cheaper for me to be off because of what they would have to take out of his check. Right. So right. He, I had two older sisters. And my, oh, he kept my older sister on because there was going to be a time where she needed a little bit more because she was in med school. She needed right. insurance. And he was like, you'll find a plan that's cheaper. So it was like this thing of like, but where is that money? I'm sorry. Where's that money coming from? Yeah. yeah. People aren't understanding that like that's real life. And so and those are the and these are real life experiences not to cut you off there. Yeah. Like you said, I want I want to emphasize that because sometimes we get so far removed from the day-to-day experiences mm-hmm. and lives of our students that we forget that like, hey, they're making real life decisions at yeah. 18 and 19. Yeah. Just because they're freshmen doesn't mean that they're, you know, we'll talk about athletes in just a minute, but that doesn't mean that they're not sending money back home. That doesn't mean that they're not yeah. taking a piece of that pale money and making sure that the lights stay on at home. So when a pandemic hits and I can't stay in school, come on now. Because like, so yeah, I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest. And mm-hmm. my older sister went to TCU first and then transferred to Prairie View. And then we all ended up going through Prairie View, right? right? And so my sister, she also would help out mm-hmm. because she was the oldest. And then my other, like, and so it was this train of helping out. So by the mm-hmm. time I was in college, there was no one left to help out. So I might not have been saddled with that same burden. So therefore, when it came time for me to get off my, when my dad to make a decision of like, okay, you know, let's, someone has to get off my insurance. Well, you know, Grace isn't making any money right now because <laughs> she's in med school and she was giving back to you. So now's your time. These are conversations that I'm sure, yes, white, white families probably have. Mm-hmm. But we know because numbers tell us that black and brown families have to have these conversations mm-hmm. way more. Mm-hmm. And I think about my husband who started at community college and then went to a school in Philly, graduated, mm-hmm. and then had to get a job while he was in his master's and kept, didn't have a car for some time. So catching the bus mm-hmm. an hour out in Philly and right. then catching work in because he had he was had to move back in with his mom and they both had to work to pay. But like, there's so many things. And so when people ask, you have to take, your, you have to take yourself outside of yourself. Be quiet. Uh, <laughs> you have to, she's agreeing with me. My dog's like, amen. Um, she said, yes, mom. Um, but you have to take yourself outside of yourself and sit back and ask, okay, what are the possible, what are the things that I'm doing as an adult, right? Like, what are the things that I'm doing? Okay. So you're, you have, get, you have gas, winning car, you have car insurance, you have health insurance, you have groceries, you have to eat. So what makes you think that just because you might be an administrator and a faculty might be 45 plus, mm-hmm. what makes you think that an 18 year old don't have to do the same thing? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you address everyone at this level of, everyone's probably got a lot of stuff to do. Everyone don't have a check from mom and dad. Mm-hmm. You know, parents do, you know, parents do buy everything for college students dorms. I use my graduation money. Mm-hmm. That's what I use. Remember that? I remember that too. <laughs> right. You know, that's like graduation money because everyone's so excited you graduated. And then whatever is left is what you use to hopefully get you through the semester. Oh, right. For no. that summer, like me. For that I summer, at least. Right. Like I wasn't working. <laughs> right. Right. And so people don't really, and you, you got to buy your books, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like if you are an adult, and we're, we're saying that these 18 year olds who are coming in are adults as, as well then why aren't we saying they might have adult bills? Mm. See, you 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 keep dropping these jewels, man. Well, I just don't like this assumption that everyone is still a child. Because mm-hmm. yes, at 18, you still if you still got teen behind your, your age, you're questionable. But in mm-hmm. a lot in the eyes of the government, mm-hmm. you're an adult. You're an adult. You mm-hmm. can vote. Okay. So go vote everybody. 
in November. Right. Anyway, <laughs> so like if you're an adult. So we need to, if we're saying, if we're asking students to act like adults in other areas, mm -hmm. well then think about what other adult issues that they might be faced with. I got two questions for you before we transition to yeah. athletics for a second. I want to go back to the power of no, because mm -hmm. I've been working in higher education since 2006. Mm -hmm. and you get old. I, okay. <laughs> Listen, I, I get that. Listen, <laughs> I, I get that. I had some questions this morning waking up like, man, I, it, it wasn't like this in my 20s. These, these late 30s killing me. But uh, <laughs> one of the things that you said that's so important is with that power of no. But in the almost 14 years I've been doing this, I noticed that it's becoming more and more difficult, especially at bigger schools like, you know, I've worked at Tennessee, I've worked at Clemson, I worked at UT mm -hmm. Arlington, and now here at UT Austin. And I've noticed that it is a struggle for those first year students, especially our first gen students yep. who, you know, are excited in this new place, but will sign up for everything, will be on every executive board for every organization and struggle to narrow it down and then by October and November are burnt out because they can't meet the demands of every organization. Can you, can you, I really want you to hone in on that power of no for our student listeners that are listening to this podcast right now, because that, that word no is hard for so many of them it to is. say. It is hard. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, I can only come from a black woman perspective. I mean, we're told to say, we're taught to be nurturers and carers about everyone, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really hard to say no. But I think about, and this is first gen, especially, I'm, I'm not first gen, but I could speak to um, the fact of other people who aren't first gen and who are um, white, mm -hmm. they do things that serve them. And for a long time, we have been approached by black and first gen students, have been approached by the university, whether it's the institution or the organizations within the institution, student led or not, that we're coming from a deficit, meaning that we have to do all these things to catch up. And that is a work that you personally have to do in yourself to understand that you're not coming from a deficit and you belong here. So you don't have to do 30,000 things to prove that you belong here. Mm. And you need to, you need to find somebody, an older student, a mentor on campus, somebody who look at you and be like, if you don't go sit down. I, and I have conversations like that with my friends. I'm in a group chat with black creators and we're in grad school. One of my friends wanted to do this awesome thing and it was a great idea. So we're in the group chat, da, da, da. So I call her outside the group chat and I was like, this is a great idea, but sit down. Mm -mm. And mm. she was like, I needed that. I said, I know you needed it because I said, you just, you, this just happened. This just happened. You need to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you may have to call me this early to talk like this. <laughs> Yes, but you need those people to check you. Mm -hmm. And and it all comes from that imposter syndrome that mm -hmm. we don't belong, that they're going to find out that they accidentally accepted me. And yes, I'm so excited, but I'm so excited. And I see all these peers doing things. So I got to make sure that I fit in. So I'm always busy. Come and just on. because you see other people being always busy, you don't know what their grades are like. You don't know what their home life is like. You don't know if they got to work or not work. Because the nine times out of ten, people who are successful, quote unquote, unquote, yeah, they're, they're one of those things on their plate is not there. Mm -hmm. And so we're not coming. Just remind yourself, you're not coming from a deficit. You're coming from you have your experiences, and that also mm -hmm. is an institutional problem of treating people that are other, quote unquote, as if they don't know things. Right. As if we are we need to catch up. As if African American vernacular English isn't a thing in a dialect that is, you know, useful, relevant. useful. And if you don't know it, that's where we're, someone on Twitter said we bilingual. I said, you're right. Okay. We are, but thinking of it like that. So you just, you know, things you're valued. You can learn. You don't learn by, um, trying to do everything at once. 
Amen. That's why you take an intro level class on, and then God. the next class mm -hmm. and then you build yourself up. You can't come in jumping into advanced statistics. Well, well, now, wait a minute. Hold up. Let's let's and I'm not and I'm not trying to stop that. I, again, I want to make sure people are hearing this. I know there's le oh, that this might be the name of the episode. There's levels to this because because there are there. Oh, my God. You, there are levels to this, and I, and I want you to get back on that track, but I want to make sure people pay attention to this. There are levels. Go ahead, pick, pick that thing back there up. There are levels. There are oh. levels. And you should use your first semester to acclimate yourself, mm -hmm. period. Like, even as a graduate student, I wanted to be in Black Graduate Student yeah, Association. Yeah, talk to grad students, too. Talk yeah, to I wanted students. to be in Black Graduate Student Association when I got here. But I was like, I just moved from Iowa. I'm back in Austin. It's way more expensive. I just got married in the previous March. So like we were newlyweds. And now I'm like, you know what? I'll be I'll join the group chat and then next year. Mm -hmm. And and don't feel guilty about it. Because it, especially when you're finding that community, you're like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm they probably think I don't want to hang out with the black people, or they probably think I want to hang out with the uh, the Mexican group of people, or you know, the Latinx as a whole people, or African student association, whatever it may be. But you have to realize, F them, <laughs> right? Because you matter. And we live in a society that has really told us that hustle culture is cute, hustle culture is cool, hustle culture is sexy, mm -hmm. but it ain't. Because when you get to be 30, you struggling. I feel like you read my mail over here. <laughs> I'm reading myself because I'm about to be 27. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Listen, just think about that. That's what so many, I mean, I came from that, you know, I was, you know, everybody, I tell, I say it every episode, especially the recent ones. Uh, look, I, I, I was born in 84. So by the time I hit high school and college, we on the tail end of the gangster rap era going into the new millennium. And so all the 90s era programming going into colleges was the save the black male programs. Like every college was getting Absolutely. one, leaving our sisters behind and yeah. not developing anything for black women. Right. It's like, well, the data is showing that black women are succeeding and all that. And hustle culture was getting everything, go out there, prove yourself. And then you, you well, that gives birth to is professionals because now I want to talk to professionals that gives birth to those of us uh, from underrepresented backgrounds that we become professionals that feel like we got to do the same thing at work. We got to sign up for every committee. We got to go in there and overcompensate. We got to go in there and participate in every group. And then one day we meet somebody like I had to do professionally that says, hey, you struggling. But hustle culture says fake it till you make it. But the reality is you're doing more damage by faking it and subscribing to that mindset rather than other than just saying, you know what, I am struggling. And I appreciate, you know, thankfully here at UT, I'm in an environment where my support system, including my supervisor and my supervisor, supervisor and our uh, dean of students is very much like, uh-uh. I, I can't do nothing with you if you on E. How you gonna pour into those students that you love so much, but your gas tank is on E. So don't don't be don't be coming in here on E trying to talk about self-care and you over there about to collapse. Let me you tell know? you something. Dr. Latoya <laughs> Smith, I was in her office. Yes. Um Shout out to Dr. Smith. Uh, I love her so much. I, I check on her periodically. Um, we're both Golden Girls fans. But um you know, I was periodically meeting with her, you know, before Corona, mm -hmm. and it was, um, it was, um, I was just, I had been in and out of the hospital my first semester of graduate school because I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I was go over there meeting with her. You know, I'm real passionate about student athletes and I'm real passionate about maternal health. And so I'm like talking to her and we were, our plan was to talk about something. And she looked at me, you know, uh, closed the door and we're talking. Mm -hmm. and she's like, how you doing? And and she said, you seem off. Mm. What is it? And I just started crying. Wow. Crying. And she said, you know, the same thing of like, you can't, well, you are no use to me. Like, I love you, but you're no use to trying to change anything if you are hurting, if you aren't dealing with yourself. Mm -hmm. But we have been taught, and this is specifically for Black people. I, I'm sure other cultures have, but I can't speak to y'all. Black people have, what have we been taught? Suck it up, mm -hmm. keep going. We're not, we're not slaves. We could be worse. We think about like 
I've, I've said stuff to my dad and he was like, well, you know, when I was out, you know, they was getting sprayed down by water hoses. So, you know, you have it good. And it's like, we are never given the grace in the space to actually sit down and say, I'm not okay. I'm not well, because we have been, we are reminded of the generations and the shoulders we stand upon that we're always telling ourselves like, you know, our ancestors did this. My ancestor, my great, 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 great grandmother was a slave and then, then so into the next generation was free and then they registered to vote and all this stuff. So it's like, this isn't, this is nothing, but it is, mm-hmm. it is, this is our something. And I, I hate when people try to be like, you know, Joy, other people have it worse. And I've really had to tell people that's, you're correct. Other people might have it worse, but you know what? I'm not those people. So this is my worst currently. Right. Mm-hmm. And until you get to a spot and we have to get to that spot where mm-hmm. we say, this is, I'm not okay. And make that normal, right. make that, make that normal, make men, make it normal, black women, make it normal. And I'm so thankful that, like you said, I'm so thankful that I am around mm-hmm. not just black women, but I, my advisor, who's a white woman was like, I said, I don't know if I want to do that. She's like, yeah, I don't think you should, but you're really good at saying no anyway. So I figured you'd mm-hmm. get there. <laughs> Listen, y'all, the pa- I'm trying to fight between episode titles. This like this levels to this or the power of no. Right? The power of no is just I, I think that we we want to, especially when we're black, we want to make sure we we put on for us, right? Mm-hmm. Like because I had I had a conversation with my advisor one time when I first got here of like, I just feel like I don't want to let you down. So I had missed class, I was in the emergency room, they're trying to figure out like I just don't want to let you down because if I mess up and I'm an interpersonal, and that means like there no one can come after me mm. because I, there's only two black people interpersonal and I want that to change. But if I mess up, then you'll never take a chance on another black person. Wow. And wow. she was like, you know, of course she doesn't fully get that, but she was like, I didn't, well, one, that's a lot of pressure to have on yourself. Yes, it is. Um, and she said, and I won't, I can't say I understand, but she said, I didn't take a chance on you because you were a black student. Should mm-hmm. you belong here? Right. And if you can't, if you're not healthy, then you can't do all this amazing stuff you want to do. And I want that to be a message for every student right now who's struggling with the idea of whether to come back or stay home or to go online and all that stuff. Do do what you need to do. And when we talk, we oh my gosh, there's so much you just dropped in there. It's so important to recognize we didn't accept you just because of one thing. Like you're here for a, a multitude of reasons. And, and if anyone tells you differently, mm-hmm. tell them to shut up on the business. Kick rocks, right? <laughs> Let me transition us here to that the student athlete conversation. Right. Because you and I have, uh, I, I think I was friends with you and your husband on Twitter long before we ever physically met face to face because of our interest in student athletes. Uh, we share uh, a lot of mutual friends in higher I education. Do, do. Um, and and and, I, and that's the beauty of this work. Yeah. Um, I, I have I've, I've thoroughly just enjoyed uh, getting to know you, your husband and our mutual friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and it's like when we when we physically together, it is a family reunion. Yeah. Like, yeah, and, we, and we go oh to the state church too. So oh my gosh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and, the, and the other thing, and the other thing that I like about it is just the fact that you know we read each other's work, we check in each other. I, I love that. Talk I know. To about, talk to talk to everyone about your uh, interest in student athletes and where that came from. Because for those that might be following uh, Joy on social media, you may notice that she has a lot to say about student athletes. Ah! I want people to get to I want people I want people to have context <laughs> you know um speaking of our mutual friends I was just talking to Jen Fry today uh, Jen. yeah she shout out to Jen Fry because I'm gonna hop on one of her uh webinars but she also was telling me to like do something of like no girl you need to do this make sure you get your money or something I was like come on check me I needed that oh, um yeah. <laughs> but um how I got into sports um research and um I'm not doing it it's not my main focus anymore I just realized it was a passion but it couldn't carry me through a PhD um, so if there's anybody listening who's interested in a PhD understand you need to study something that can carry you through um that's but that's a whole nother podcast oh, yeah. um so I'm from Fort Worth Texas and um Football is God, right? Sundays mm-hmm. is church, football, and, you know, beer, mm-hmm. right? Um, and 
it's so funny that I just, I know people in the league. I know people who didn't make the league. I know people who are, who are like, you know, top recruits because I'm just from Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also played, I ran track and played basketball. So you're kind of in those, you know, circles. And um, I really was starting to think of like, when I was in undergrad and even growing up of like, well, one, of course we hear these terrible stories of drug use and, um, you know, alcoholism and all this other stuff, because I said, when I'm stressed and I'm going to therapy, my therapist tells me, you know, go work out, make sure you're getting your exercise and all this other stuff. And I said, well, what happens when working out is your job? Mm. And then I thought about, well, what happens to these people who played this sport and they don't make it? They don't make it. They don't get a D1 offer. They don't, or they get a D1 offer and they don't make it to the league or they don't even make it to arena league. They don't make it to any league. Mm-hmm. It's just, they have their glory days of college or they get injured. Yeah. Um, and I really just started thinking about like, I had seen too many friends put all of their weight and eggs in one basket of like, I'm going to get a D1 offer. I'm going to go to the league. I'm going to do all these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me being the person of like, I support you because, you know, I'm a root for you, whatever. But when you approach them with like, but, but, you know, like 1% of America are professional athletes and that's all the sports, like NASCAR included. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're, you doubting me? And you're like, no, I'm not doubting you. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to do the, you know, I'm not good at math either. So I'm just trying to, you know, help you understand. <laughs> uh, so I'm just, Cause I just learned, so I'm going to pass this knowledge on. And I just really started to like get concerned of this, the the um the mental health toll mm-hmm. on black men in these sports when you know this could be a controversial statement so you can edit it out if you want to when they're really just like the book title says 40 million dollar slaves mm-hmm. because a lot of people will say oh no i used to be of the mindset of like student athletes shouldn't be paid because you know i was i grew up here and that's what people said but as i started digging and researching like you get a free degree and i worked in student athletics at university of iowa and i was like a free what? Mm-hmm. A free who's? Mm-hmm. A who'st? A what are you getting? And so I just was like, what are we doing? How are they talking about it? Who are they talking to? Not just a sports psychologist that's performance-based so they can get back out on the field or the track or on the court, but a therapist of like, like you, we already touched on of people sending money back home, people, where they coming from, somebody dying, somebody something, people got kids, just like any adult possibly could. And then you throw them into these PWIs Mm -hmm. and as we are seeing that's coming out in the news of different programs Mm -hmm. of like these coaches don't even know how to treat these people. Mm -hmm. And so they turn to alcoholism or they turn to, they turn to something that they can get because they don't. And the research supports this. And the research supports that. That's just not For those of y'all listening that's thinking that that's conjecture, you know. No, it's not conjecture. you got two people that have done research on this topic. Right. On and, this and not, right not, not, even, and here's the thing, even if there hadn't been a, a study done, there's been enough people that have come out and said that. Come on now. So, you know, we ain't, we, we believe, we believe, we believe way more for a lot less. Uh, and so I just was like, you know, I can't, I want to do something because I love watching football. I love, I was more, I used to be more of a Sunday girl. So NFL, cause I just, you know, if one HBCU, I really wasn't watching it for a long time. Then I got to Iowa and I love my Hawkeyes and I still do. And that's also that tension yes. of like, cause I don't, I, of course I love Texas too, but I haven't been to a game. I feel a little disconnected, but like, um, you know, UT too, but like my, because I knew some of those players because I worked there because like, you you aisle was smaller like the stadium was right there and then there was like where i work you know um and and it's like i love the sports and i would go to i would go to football i'll go to gymnastics i would you name it i was probably i went to swimming um the only one i didn't make it to probably was wrestling and maybe field hockey um and so i'm sitting here like this is I love, I love watching these people who are experts and elite and they, they're trained in their discipline, but like, are they taking care of their mental health? And that's really where it all came from and why I'm passionate about it and why I yell on social media about it, because it's like, 
I know what it's like to be silenced. I know what it's like not to speak your truth and then still have to function at a high level Mm. and then be second guessed when you're speaking your truth. And I think that that's the part that a lot of people, especially given uh, the activism, which I want to talk to you about next, given the levels of activism that we're seeing more of this particular year, uh, especially within the last three to four months from our student athletes, uh, our, especially our black student athletes. But that's the, you talked about that tension. You talked about that, you know, I, I love this school. I love this sport, but I can't ignore the inequities. I can't ignore the fact that I know what's going on with him or her or them. And I know that they're not expressing that to anyone. And I know that they haven't told anybody in the athletic department about what they're struggling with. And so when performance dwindles, they're going to blame it on strength training or something like that. When in reality is, you know, as one of my participants said in my dissertation, my grandma just died. Like, how can you really expect me to be in here and go hit this dude and my mind is 400 miles across the country. So mm-hmm. saying, you, but you want me to be active and engaged. And so when those fans- And then uh, this, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this too. Go for it, jump I'm in gonna say this. And this is what I really got interested in was um, um, Rice, the, the, thing, the guy in the elevator, right? Mm-hmm. And then we heard all these other stories of domestic violence, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like- How about Ray Rice? Right, right, thank you. I was like, I was okay. gonna call him. Ray Rice, Baltimore Ravens. Right, I was like, the, it's not Jerry, that's the other one. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, but um, I'm sitting here like, I'm not condoning domestic violence, not but this is what I do, this is what I would say. Wait a minute. So you mean to tell me that when these boys are men, go to work out they're told to imagine being angry so they can make another weight goal Mm -hmm. to make another you make another personal record of lifting weights and then you're told them to imagine being angry and run somebody off a field Mm -hmm. and then you're you're just angry and that's your job and you've also been passed along through the education system because Studies do show that as well as I've watched it happen of, oh, you're failing, but we need you for this playoff game. We'll just go ahead and, you know, maybe a 70 so, will so get so you there. So you've never been, you've never been told no. Mm-hmm. Because, and you've also been hitting people since five years old. Mm-hmm. And that we already know, studies show your brain is nowhere near developed to five, much less 17, 18. So mm-hmm. here you are, never been told no, been playing this violent sport. And then you're met with, someone mm-hmm. that said no or actively, and, or, and is actively resisting or actively resisting you mm-hmm. and the only way that you have been taught to solve and resolve conflict is by running people over mm-hmm. well i said well what did we think would happen mm-hmm. and that was like another piece of why i got into it. i was like it's wrong as all get out mm-hmm. but we need to address the system yep in place because we are training black men mm-hmm. and black women not to address emotions mm-hmm. and his mental health state as well because the truth of the matter is we we didn't it didn't get released what he himself had been actively dealing with uh during that time and so as a result I, whenever I present and whenever I do workshops I'm very careful to talk to coaches and administrators about what I've what I call that this village concept, right? Because if it takes, we, we say it takes a village to raise a child, it's gonna take that same village to nurture and develop them into and through adulthood from the cradle to the grave. And mm-hmm. so it can't be, um, we can't be, I hate to make it political, but yeah, here it is. Um, we can't be pro-life and then when the life is here, Listen, it don't like, matter. Come on you now. Got, you, got, you got to care about that life from the womb to the tomb. <laughs> And honestly, I don't, as, as people can disagree, that's not, that's not political, that's honest. Because we have to understand that my life, this is where Black Lives Matter and activism comes in. My mm-hmm. li- we're not saying no other lives matter. Right. We're just holding up a mirror to your system and saying, you see this? Mm-hmm. We apparently don't matter to you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's shown when we have these coaches go into families and recruit and say, you know, it's like a family when we come up here. We're going to take care of your boy. We're going to mm-hmm. take care of your son. We're going to and they and, and they spoil them and they show them all the they show them like the the you know, the world. The, <laughs> the, the world and they show them the secret vault of all the fun on recruitment weekend. 
Mm-hmm. And and they make sure the people who might dissent ain't around. Mm-hmm. And then when 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 they come, oh, it's like you was on the first day. We all know we put the we put on our good shoes. Good face on. <laughs> yeah, we put on our good shoes. We iron. I we actually, you them. know, you might shower that day. I don't know what you do, but um, <laughs> but that's what goes on. And so I I just I was just like you know again we're coming we're treating people like they're coming from a deficit mindset like they're de- they're deficit but also why are we saying that we're only allowing these men to come here under these pretense mm-hmm. uh, or and that their voices or that their voices uh, don't matter don't unless matter. they're yelling what the play is on the field or on the court and i think what i you saw me present i don't know if you were were you there when i presented at the black student athlete I actually had to get up to go do my own other presentation. <laughs> Literally, I called your name, you went to the podium, and I had to go out. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, yeah, yeah. I got to hear a piece of it. So I presented on, like, um, I dug in the archives of the University of Iowa. That's where I did my master's. It was a project mm-hmm. I did for class about um, there was a quote-unquote protest um, the same time as the Olympic, like the summer before the Olympic protest sure. um, by the Black football players because they were there and they weren't allowed to eat mm-hmm. on campus. They weren't um, what we call now the Afro House on campus. Is that's mm-hmm. what it is called, um, Afro Cultural Center. It was a real house. People used to be able to live there, um, and they were like, "We're tired of this. We're not getting treated fairly." Um, they couldn't hang out with non-black student athletes because the coach, you know, basically was like you know, they're troublemakers. And um, it was just a lot of, and then archives, I dug in the archives. I found reports, I found um, news reports, I found documents of people's interviews, just stuff that was out there that was said by these players during that time. And that's kind of what I presented on of like this interest interest convergence of, you know, they're only allowed here. We're only allowing these big black bodies here because they serve our interests. But we'll tell them we're also serving their interests by saying they're going to get a degree. Mm. And so it just now I was gonna say that's just a full circle of like this passion of like I just didn't want. I wanted black bodies, especially black male bodies, because those are the ones that are part of the revenue generating sports. Because mm-hmm. patriarchy and sexism, no one really cares about women's basketball apparently. But that's a whole other thing. I worked at Tennessee. We, they cared about women's basketball. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, in my state, <laughs> in Pat my Sum- state, that summit got a whole stack. Yeah, yeah, but, say, but in my state, overarchingly, <laughs> right? No one's yeah. really tuning into the WNBA. Um, yeah. And I just wanted, I wanted to give black boys and men the knowledge to make an informed decision. Because mm-hmm. I think what happens is, at the end of the day, because people are like, well, they know what they signed up for. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. Do you know what you were signing when you were eighteen? Because I guarantee you, you ain't read your housing contract. It was, let, it, was like, it was just a letter of intent. That thing got a whole lot of language in there, right? <laughs> and you and and we talking about you can't you these players can't have their own attorneys now. Mm-hmm. So it's like all these things. So it's like when people say, oh, they knew what they were signing. No, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Because if they get an attorney, then they're not an amateur anymore. Yep. And if they're not an amateur, they can't play. Right. So you got to have someone money. in your family that just might know what that word means. Mm-hmm. So. Just- Anyway, that's why I got, and that's why, like, it's my passion, Mm -hmm. and I'll still do work on the side, but now I do um, Black maternal health. Um, Well, I appreciate that, and thank you so much for all the wisdom that you shared. What I want to do now is give you an opportunity just to kind of talk about any upcoming projects you got, um, how, if people want to find out more about Black in the Ivory, I know y'all got merchandise now, Uh, y'all got a whole whole thing going, which, and and I love it. And so I want to give you a chance to plug that here so that if people, if faculty are listening and want to know more, if there's students who want to, who are trying to find their activist voice, um, yeah. you know, give, give you a chance to kind of close us out there. Yeah, so um, Black in the Ivory, you can find us at blackintheivory.com, real simple. And we also bought any of the names, like the three names that might be similar to that, so no one can co-op, like Black in the Ivory Tower, Black being Black. No, we bought them. You can't have them. You're welcome. Okay. Um, uh, so blackintheivory.com is where you can find us. You There's an origin story on there. There's about me and there's about Dr. Davis, um, and she's pretty, she's dope. I just... Fellowship after fellowship, she stays getting. Um, and then we have the grad support, um, black graduate student support, 
on there. And so what that is, is soon, I hope maybe in the next two weeks, we'll open the Google form back up. Mm -hmm. But we have a Google form for black graduate students to go submit um, their name, the program type of program they're in, and then the way they like accept payment, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, or, mm -hmm. or Zelle. And then this spreadsheet was posted. And if you want to just bless a graduate student, you can bless them directly because a lot of what we're talking about is you're asking us to solve your problems, but you're not paying us. Mm -hmm. And so we closed the Google form just because it was, we got so many and we wanted to make sure more people were getting paid. Mm -hmm. um, and then we would open it back up. So we're going to do that soon. That is housed on the Black and the Ivory website under resources. Um, you can also find merch. So there is typical black in the ivory stuff that says black in the ivory. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's two, three merchandise um, that two of them, we did a poll and we let, I said, yay, what did, what would y'all funny sayings that y'all would want? And so people submitted stuff on Twitter. And then we, I did basically a poll of like had them head off. And so mm -hmm. there's a mug that says not the diversity hire because we always get told we're the diversity hire. And there's another one that everyone like called, I don't do potlucks. <laughs> um, and so, and then the third one is there's a lot of um, um, white and non-black colleagues and, you know, people who are like, we've been donating, we support, like, you know, we want merch because I just like t-shirts and I feel weird wearing black in the ivories or, you know, are you going to create anything that's different? If not, that's cool. <laughs> um, and so we, a girl that is a PhD student in our, at Northwestern that I'm a colleague with was like, I said, yo, give me an idea. Like, what would you say? Cause you're really good at this. And she was like, um, actions over allyship. Love that one. So the That's shirt my favorite says, one y'all got. I love yeah. that one. That one so we have a shirt day. that says actually oh, with the division one. sign over um allyship. And so that one has moved up to like second best seller. The not oh, that I, I heard. I'm gonna sell out of that one. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, hopefully we the distributors don't we've already I've had to like change distributors because we're getting out of sizes. But yeah, so um there's there's merch and so we you can also donate on there too if you mm -hmm. are if you if you're out of your international or you can't figure out how to do all the PayPal and all that stuff, you can just donate. Sure. Um, and then a portion of the proceeds, we haven't determined, we haven't said what portion, but um, a portion of the proceeds will go back to giving to a student because okay. yes, we're doing the work and obviously we want, you know, we would not to say make a profit, but like we got to pay us too, because this is a lot of work to upkeep the website. Yeah, working hard, stuff. man. Y'all are active but, all day, um, every day. Yeah, but also we want to give back. And so um, we've, we've only been up a week and we've sold almost $1,000 worth of stuff. Um, and so, and stuff gets rolling in every day. And um, oh, and there's stickers too with our little logo. And so there's something as cheap as $3 to something as expensive as, which is most expensive thing of sweatshirts, like 35. Um, and so, yeah. And, yeah, which is, reasonable um and we're not out here gouging and we're still giving back and um we hope to have if you if you tweet something like that you need like we we retweet if you're collecting participants for studies we retweet if there's a job application that someone put like hey we're hiring someone is retweeting with the hashtag and then our actual twitter page retweets it so we're really just trying to be a voice and just an amplifying station for people and we hope that um we hope to do more you know what i would hope and i've talked to dr davis about this we don't know when it's going to come but i would love to do a black and ivory book club because i read so much and just hey, um, so i can hand, ha handle that and just figuring out ways that we could support faculty students administrators staff anybody that's black within the um within the institution and that's not to say that others don't matter because um, we always I know I've got to circle back to that because someone's gonna be like don't else matters no everyone matters but this is for us um and because we know we're amplifying, we're amplifying yeah. a, a, a voice that's mm -hmm. been, the volume mm -hmm. has been on low that's all and, we're doing and as a black graduate student you know numbers and research show that we take longer to finish because we're not properly supported right. um and especially I love UT but thinking about especially at UT um, if you're not in STEM, your graduate student stipend is fifteen thousand mm -hmm. dollars. So thinking about that, spreading that out over a course, of um, and spreading yeah. that out over a year um, during the pandemic. 
in a pandemic, and some people are like, well, you knew, you chose to cut. No, 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 no. <laughs> or you could get a roommate. And I'm, I'm blessed to be able to have a two-income household, but there's others who aren't. And right. understanding that um, this is, a, like you said, a village. This is a collective. Mm-hmm. This is, um, we help each other out. We, we want to be able to have, maybe set up mentorships that people can find people and have directories of like, you know, I just think people don't understand the value in the extra labor that black people do Mm -hmm. um, in the institution. And so um, like your podcast, it's it's part of your job, but like, you don't have to do this, but you want to find people to amplify, you know, Um, Dr. Latoya Smith didn't have to talk to me, like doesn't have to talk to me. She didn't have to let me cry and just hand me a box of Kleenex. Um, and Dr. Lily didn't have to meet with me when I met with her and when I moved here, um, or doesn't have to answer my message when I'm like, Hey, how you doing? Are you live? Um, but so just thinking like there are ways for you to support us. Um, and we want institutional change, but we understand that's a, that's a process. And so if you want to go on black in the ivory and donate to a graduate student, donate to the website for the upkeep and for the work that Dr. And Davis and I are doing, you know, and um, if you want, to, all of our Twitter information is there. All of our personal Twitter information is there. If you want to follow me, you can. I'm loud. I'm reckless. Um, <laughs> I'm stupid. Uh, I just, I'm trying to get a free Peloton bike, but they're not listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I'm still human. So, yes, I talk about systems, but I also talk about, like, why are they doing construction at 6 a.m. in the morning at my apartment complex? Yes. No, like, I'm still <laughs> Still a person. Still, still a person. person. Um, thank, yes. you, thank you so much for taking time with of us. Of course. And, uh, we, 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 we'll be keeping up. We'll be keeping up with everything. So I know where to find you. Well, I mean, I ain't going to find you personally. <laughs> I know. I do know where to find you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. No problem. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. To catch the next installment, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. We'll see you next time.